football on off the ball with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports like to say we've got Matt Sailor with us as well to talk about the Manchester United situation and the uh, potential sale of the club. Matt, how are you getting on this evening? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good. I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, Jim Radcliffe and the fact that he has now publicly become the first bidder who has made people aware that he is interested in buying the club. Perhaps no great surprise. He's always said that he's a supporter of Manchester United. He's from the area. He's been previously linked with Chelsea. But it doesn't necessarily mean just because Jim Radcliffe is the first person to say, I want to buy the club, that he's going to be the one who does so. No, it doesn't. And uh, I suppose it's a very different approach to the one that he took with Chelsea, where he was the last guy to say he wanted to buy the club. He came in arguably a little bit too late that time. Maybe he's learned his lesson this time. Maybe maybe he's been smoked out by the rumours of Qatari interest or Dubai interest. But look, it's no secret that Sir Jim Radcliffe has wanted to buy a Premier League club for some time. He's, if not the UK's richest man, he's, he's sort of right up there. I, I haven't seen the, the the most recent classification in, in that um, all-important race, but he's, uh, he's he's been right up there for some time. He's a big sports fan, big football fan. Uh, I think Man United has always been his first choice. He grew up uh, in Oldham. Um, you know, he's talked about being a Manchester United fan. Um, but more recently, of course, he's talked about being a Chelsea fan as well. I think that's just because he's lived in he's lived in Chelsea. So you're right, you know, rich guy, loves sport, um, made his money in, in, in sort of an interesting way that we can get into if you like, but certainly over the last few years has shown a real um, willingness, desire to spend some of that money on fun, sport, sailing, um, cycling, cycling, yeah, football, running, you name it. It's a pretty wide portfolio that he has currently and I think a lot of people watching it with interest maybe the reaction from some of the Nice fans who believed it was going to accelerate them going right towards the top of Ligue 1 and potentially challenging Paris Saint-Germain uh, to win the title there that's not quite transpired so far he's been you know key to the Ineos cycling team himself and Sir Dave Brailsford um, so just to give us an impression this is a guy if he's dipping his toe into sport has done so in a very significant way in recent years oh god yeah I mean so he it probably goes back to Sir Ben Ainsley and and the America's Cup. Now that that is the ultimate rich man's playground. Um, I think that was about 2018, um, and he's just decided that he's going to try and bankroll um, a, a GB winner of the America's Cup. Now, just to, uh, some people have sort of been pointing out, um, well, what's he achieved? He's done nothing in in America's Cup. We've never won the America's Cup, <laughs> so yeah, he's he's following on a a proud tradition of. Of noble failure there and he's only really had one go at it and it is ludicrously expensive and um the rules of that competition are just laughable they're totally stacks in the favor of the uh, of the champion but anyway he has chosen to have a crack at that and who knows where he'll go with that i mean you know i'm not a sailing expert but i'm led to believe he did he did reasonably well on his first go now the cycling thing is interesting you know he, he basically bought team sky so he bought a, a an already dominant british British team. He quite likes the the British bands, to be fair. Not just in sport, um, uh, and they've done. They've continued to do pretty well. They don't. They're not as successful as they were a few years back, but they have still won races and, and will and will continue to do so. Um, he's bought bought football teams. The first one was Lausanne, actually, where he was based at the time, where Ineos's headquarters was based at the time, and uh, they fluctuated between the top. Uh, and the second tiers in uh, Switzerland. I think they're back in the top two at the moment, but they've there, there was a relegation in there for sure. He's got them a new stadium though, 
And as you mentioned, Nice. So you bought Nice, I think, in 2019. I think they were ninth. No, they were fifth, then ninth, then fifth. But last season was good. They made the um, the French Cup final. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a tough nut to crack that, isn't it, PSG? If that's your if that's your bar. So he hasn't he hasn't quite achieved that. They're not doing so well this season. But you know, it's not it's not been bad by any stretch of the imagination. And Nice. I was I was talking to someone the other day about this as though it was some terrible blot on his copybook. Nice haven't won the French title since the 50s. They're not they're not a big big club. So again, I don't think there's any disgrace there. He's also bought a stake in Mercedes F1 team. Um serial winners. They haven't he's he's bought them at a time when they're not winning, but but we'll, we'll see how that goes and he sponsors um the New Zealand All Blacks. So he um he's collecting a as you say quite a portfolio of of interesting sports teams. Well, Manchester fans might be wondering, Matt, does that mean his focus will be, would they be number one priority if he was to take them over then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, just because the Premier League, I'm actually, just before you came to me, I was I was, I was, was writing a report. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to break too many embargoes here. It's the Deloitte Money League out tomorrow. So you can talk about that tomorrow. And the story is, it's been this, it's been discussed for the last couple of years. The utter domination of the Premier League. So I don't want to. I, there is a bit of an embargo, so I can't tell you too much. But the Premier League clubs are rolling in it. Now they're spending it as fast as they can bring it in through the door as well. But it does it does give credence to this idea that there is a European Super League. It's called the Premier League. Now well, Manchester United might not be the richest club in the Premier League, and they might not be the best prim- uh, club in the Premier League right now, but they have been for a very long time. They're still the biggest, most prestigious, most famous. They've still got the most fans. Yeah. If billionaire Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who was born in Oldham, gets his hands on uh, the keys of Old Trafford, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to be his priority. Well, look, they've been remarkably um, rev- the revenues have been incredible um, even before we see tomorrow's figures uh, looking at the Deloitte list from last year they were in fourth place across football clubs around the world Man City Real Madrid and Liverpool completed the top four revenues of just shy of £700 million and that's at the time where Manchester United weren't the big dog within the Premier League or at the top of the table and therefore the Glazers have always been able to kind of leverage that financial muscle at their time where they've been in charge so if Jim Radcliffe comes in, this is a club that I won't say necessarily self-sustaining with the investment that might be needed in Old Trafford and within the yeah. squad, but it is a money-making machine that he'd be taking over here. Oh, too right. And and that's been the case for a long, long time. You know, 20 years ago, they were streets ahead. And this is this is one of the, the, the disasters, the, the, the tragedy is too strong, but the indictments of the Glazer era. They, they took footballs, one of sports, great money-making machines, and they've turned it into something not mediocre, but not as good as as, as what they found. Um, they were they were so far in, in front of all their English rivals. And if you go back through the Deloitte Money League lists, I think they they've topped half of them. And they were they were they, they were sort of serial number one for for most of the noughties. So ever since that kind of post Ferguson decline, but also I think kind of um, complacency and neglect on the behalf of the of the Glazers, who, of course, haven't just allowed the stadium to to, to sort of fade, uh, the training ground as well. Um, but I think also they're just their their commercial deals. They're just they're just not as good as they were. However, a little bit of love and attention and 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 focus and Radcliffe's got quite a good track record. 
of breathing life into into old companies. That's basically the the Ineos story. It's thirty plus old petrochemical petrochemical companies that he's bolted together into a into a conglomerate. Um, he's good at that. Um, so I, I definitely can see United. Um, you know whether whether they regain their perch at the top of the Premier League. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe they will. But I could definitely see them. You know, hitting the get, getting back to number one in the uh, the money league. It's a very difficult club to value uh, when it comes to the eventual purchase price if the Glazers to be convinced to sell because five billion is around about the figure that seems to be talked about quite a bit and that is based on multiples of revenue, it's based on the prestige of the club and I think a lot of people are probably using Chelsea as a little bit of a yardstick so it'd be around yeah. about twice what Todd Bowley paid for Chelsea with Todd Bowley also saying he would invest the best part of two billion over the next ten years into the club and he's spent an awful lot on transfers so far. You've had the Denver Broncos who changed hands for $4.5 billion uh, just last year. It's difficult to probably put a price onto Manchester United because they were valued, I think, back in 2018 around that $4 billion range. I think $5 billion doesn't sound that unreasonable here. Well, it depends who you talk to. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, of all the reasons that that, that you listed as to, as to why people are coming up with sort of five-ish, I think it's that Chelsea price. And the importance of that Chelsea price was that here was um, a apparently savvy American businessman saying, hmm, a Premier League club should be valued in the same way that an NFL franchise is. And we should apply a multiple revenue, a, a revenue multiple of eight to 10 times. That's what NFL franchises have been going for for a while. They're the gold standard. They're the, they're the, they're the, the best you can buy. If you're a billionaire, go buy an NFL franchise if you can. There's only 32 of them, and they and they don't they don't come around very often. In fact, there's another one on, on the market right now, the Washington Commanders, and you know Jeff Bezos might buy that one. So, you know, it's 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 that sort of level of wealth. Um, now, Chelsea. When I speak to people about what's going on right now, a lot of people think the top only overpaid. So the Glazers, and let's not forget Liverpool looks at that sale and went right there's there's a new benchmark here people are valuing premier league clubs and the knock always on on soccer if you like was well relegation and, and you know and there isn't a salary cap and how do we make money well you know there's a little bit of a rational exuberance out there at the moment because i suppose that the relegation thing isn't really an issue for these big clubs but this the, the constant loss making is but what a lot of these guys are seeing or thinking they're seeing is just the the massive upside, the global reach of soccer as opposed to North American sports and the fact that football still isn't the number one sport in US, China, India, these giant markets, and yet it's, it's just so popular everywhere else. It's growing back in North America. They're thinking about the next big leap in media rights. You know, how do we do that? We've done really well on the sort of current model, this pay TV model we've had for the last... 30 plus years are we going to go direct to consumer at some point the fact that betting sports betting is just exploding in north america well you know there's another potential massive upside there and i think they just think they can do you know again always with these americans they always think they can do it better and they quite like player trading as well which is something they don't have at, back in their own sports you know the actual can we make money in the transfer market so all of these things combine i think to make north american private equity which is the money that's making the weather at the moment go yeah manchester united chelsea liverpool let's price them like nfl teams and that's where you get to your five 
your five billion ish. I've spoken to various people that think anything more than four is 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 nuts. Is that's, that's that's literally a word someone used to me only this morning. Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? What position are you playing, Sarah? I'm playing in Katie McCabe's position, so tell her to watch out. <laughs> <laughs> no, Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Well, like I'm intrigued by the exit point for both Fenway Group and for the Glazers because they're both effectively trying to hawk their clubs right now because... There seems to be that feeling among them, and maybe this is a hangover from the end of the European Super League project, that they feel now is the peak of the market, that there is genuinely that potential that the bubble could burst within the Premier League. Yes and no. I think, you know, bubble burst. Okay, well, people have been saying that for 30 years, and we're we're waiting for the bubble bubble to burst. The domestic rights, uh, the Premier League, have, have stalled. And yet what's happened? The international rights have surpassed the, the domestic rights. No other league, no other sport. The NFL would would love to, would dream to be able to say that. And there's definitely more upside there. So, is the bubble going to burst? I I can't see it. I mean, you've you've. It sounds like you've read the Money League as well. They can't see it either. Deloitte can't see it either. So, d- it's defying many sensible people's predictions and expectations. But but the bubble is not bursting. Now, um, are we are we at a top though? Are we at a sort of you know a temporary ceiling for a bit? Maybe, maybe, and maybe and maybe this 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 Chelsea moment, maybe it's been and gone. Maybe Chelsea, maybe maybe that was it, and we we're going to have a sort of period now of perhaps where we kind of retrench or we sort of stand still for a bit. But there's an awful lot of clubs on the market. I mean, you've mentioned you know the two obvious ones. We've mentioned the two obvious ones, but Spurs, but Spurs are available. And there's there's a, there's a fair few others. Everton are available. Everyone knows that. And there's clubs for sale all over Europe. Pretty much all of them. They're all bleeding cash. So there's a lot of choice out there. And that I think then is the opposite of that North American situation where you have scarcity value, genuine scarcity value. And the old adage is we're making billion more billionaires, right? The number of billionaires is growing, but the number of sports teams in North America isn't. So that that creates that kind of bubble effect, and the the valuation of, of, of franchises in the states is just a remarkable story over the last twenty years. They've just grown and grown and grown and grown. That hasn't happened yet in European sport, but it might be happening in the Premier League. If it's going to happen anywhere. It will happen in the Premier League. So there's a, there's a lot of kind of conflicting things going on at the moment, which is why there's been an awful lot of talk about Liverpool and Manchester United, but not much action yet. So, you know, kudos to Sir Jim Ratcliffe for actually, you know, putting his head up, head above the parapet. But, you know, those those clubs have been for sale for what is it? I can't remember now. It was pre World Cup, wasn't it? So two, mm. three months and 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 um and and we've got one 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 bidder. So that's up to the merchant bankers probably to try and get the right people with the money in front of the potential sellers in both the case of Liverpool and Manchester United. I guess we were talking last week, Matt, about um 
claimed and reported meetings between Qatari officials and Spurs and maybe they could come in as a minority interest there. I'm sure it's no coincidence Manchester United we saw um, I think it was Avram Glazer who was in Qatar mm. during the World Cup and potentially could have been doing some uh, politicking there about a sale. Uh, we saw their club that went up in Davos at the time of the World Economic Forum are there. They say it's coincidental but I thought it was interesting. It's very clear the Glazers are going to um, make as many people interested I would think in buying the club and not just a case of Vinios being the only bidder here. Oh, too right. I think what's quite f- quite funny about that is they, you know, they they appoint Rain, who did the Chelsea sale. I think they appointed another bank as well. Was it Morgan Stanley? I can't remember. I get confused because they because Liverpool appointed two other Rothschilds and and Goldman Sachs. So, but anyway, Manchester United definitely appointed Rain, who did the successful uh, Chelsea takeover auction. Um, but then Avram. <laughs> Avram Glazer can't help himself. He appears to be doing his own sales process, sort of single-handedly in the uh, in hotels in Doha. Um, uh, you know, yeah. But but the thing about Manchester United is they're listed on the New York Stock Exchange. It's very easy to have conversations about Manchester United. There's they have institutional investors already. Um, I wrote a story last week about uh, a fund, Chicago-based fund, that made. Made a killing off the back of the of the takeover announcement. They they sold three million shares. It's it's look. It, if you want to buy Manchester United, and you and you can actually afford them, I reckon you could you could get them on the phone in about ten minutes. Prepare to have to uh, rebuild sections of Old Trafford if you do so, and mm. probably or, or build a new one. Or build a new one next oh, week. Oh, Matt, Matt, they'd never allow that to happen. New Trafford surely couldn't happen. It's too much mm. too much history there, some Manchester United fans will say. Even though it had to be rebuilt before, after the war, and you yeah. could argue how many bits have been rebuilt, would Manchester United fans really accept a new Trafford, even if it was a beautiful new ball? They want to keep their Tottenham history, fans don't they? Did. I haven't heard a single Tottenham fan moan about White Hart Lane. <laughs> well, look, when you can have your beer coming up, um, up through the glass and those wonderful padded seats, uh, you very quickly forget your history as well. Matt, thanks a million for joining us on the show. You're very welcome. Our football coverage with thanks to Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports as well. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.